Hey everyone, Neil here, and I uh, just want to jump in before After the Credits comes back. I'm very glad to have it back, and remind you that all this month, One Perfect Pod is sponsored by the folks at Videoblocks. As you may imagine, here at Film School Rejects, One Perfect Shot, One Perfect Pod, we have a lot of projects, and these projects sometimes require um, stock footage or stock photos, uh, and the folks at Videoblocks have always been an excellent source of material and what's great about it is that you can get studio quality stock footage for a fraction of the cost that you would pay buying it piece by piece and you can download all the stock video your heart desires from their member library including hd footage after effects templates motion backgrounds and so much more plus you get exclusive discounts on millions of additional marketplace clips where you save 40% and the original artist takes home 100% of the sale price. Very important to support artists. All the content is royalty free, so you can use it for commercial and personal projects. And right now, if you need to get stock video, you can go to videoblocks.com slash rejects and get all the stock footage you can imagine for $149 a year. That is super cheap. That is Videoblocks, V-I-D-E-O-B-L-O-C-K-S dot com slash rejects to save on millions of studio quality clips from Videoblocks. And now over to Matt, who's going to talk about a Jackie Chan movie with Rob Hunter. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of After the Credits. I guess a, a return for After the Credits. We've got a, a brand new theme song. We've taken a little bit of a break. But we are here, and we are ready to talk movies. So I'm joined this week by the just the best person to come back from a bit of a hiatus with, Rob Hunter. Rob, can you tell our listeners where it is you write for, the type of writing you do, where they can find your stuff? Hello, I'm Rob Hunter. I write for Film School Rejects, and I occasionally, on a, on a regular basis, and then I also occasionally dabble over at Slash Film and uh, Crooked Marquee, and I had one big piece over at Thrillist, ranking all of the Stephen King movies and miniseries, all 70-plus. I'm kind of surprised you didn't take the better part of the year off after that one. Well, you know, got to keep working. So Rob is a Rob. Rob and I have now met in real life, so our chemistry and rapport are off the charts now. It's just, this is going to be <laughs> the best possible of, of all of the different podcasts that we've done. It but took we, being it took being together in person and holding hands while we spoke to really, I think, put us into sync. That's really what it's, it, I didn't understand you until I held your hand and looked into your eyes yep. and listened to you be wrong about Bone Tomahawk. So now we're I, I now get we're, that now mistaken viewpoint a lot. That's fair, but you know. Honestly, I can't think of anybody better to bring back on and to talk about this week's movie, which is The Foreigner. Uh, the Foreigner, as many of you are very uh, very aware and very highly anticipating, is the first American, or uh, English language at least, film by Jackie Chan in a little bit. It's directed by Martin Campbell, who is known as the mind behind some of the better and um, some of the, the reinvented Bond movies. It's also got Pierce Brosnan, sort of a reunion of sorts between director and star from that franchise as well. 
and it promises to be sort of a, a blend, I guess, of um, of the the type of movies we've seen before in that old man action star coming back, a daughter, a son, or whatever is is attacked, and he takes it upon himself to come out and kick some ass. But it is also very much so going to be a Jackie Chan movie because how do you make a movie with Jackie Chan without it becoming a Jackie Chan movie? So, Rob, let's start with your impressions here. Uh, let's let's actually just start with Jackie Chan in general. I'm sure you've seen a ton of his movies. What do you think of the guy? Uh, I am a huge fan, but a real quick correction. His last English-language movie was actually Skip Trace, which was last year. Oh, yes. Um, but no one saw that, so it's it's okay that you you've forgotten it. Um, well, you know, to be fair, I said in a while, and a year is a long time. So. <laughs> Does that count as a while? Okay. It's good. Um, I, no, I'm a huge, huge Chan fan. Um, I mean, I, I've my my like like a lot of people. My first big big screen experience with him was uh, Rumble in the Bronx when they brought that over, and after catching that um, in theaters, even in its you know edited for American uh, form. I was just immediately a fan, and I, I, you know, was already in the game of uh, um, accessing like you know bootleg movies and stuff like that whenever I could. Um, and by bootlegs, I mean just, like you know importing you know movies that haven't really had an American release yet. And so after seeing that, I just went on a binge and started uh, importing you know just, just everything I, c- I can get my hands on. Uh, obviously with English subtitles, <laughs> but, um, and so I, and I've been a fan ever since. I mean, he's, he's someone who has made a ton of movies. He's like, like 130 or something like that right now. Um, and obviously they're not all like a Takashi Miki. They're not all winners, <laughs> but he's got a much higher success rate. I think, um, he just is someone who is very unique in his, uh, in his abilities and in his, you know, what, what he's bringing to the movie. Um, more so obviously earlier in his career, but uh, just the uh, the physical ability, you know, the, the fighting techniques. But on top of that, the blending of it with you know the entertainment value, as far as like you know humor, as far as you know playing and inter- interacting with the various you know things in the environment, the various objects around him. Um, he's made that entire thing his own. I mean, other films and other performers have you know taken it and you know riffed on it here and there, but he has been uh, still kind of a wholly unique um, performer in his ability to do all that. Um, he he does usually elevate. I mean, again, recently he's he's had you know in the past decade or whatever he's had to like rely on a lot more CG and stuff like that. So some of his charm has has kind of waned. But I mean, in his prime, I think he was untouchable as far as just being a you know just a whirlwind of, of terrifically entertaining fight scenes, um, both in their skill and also in their just just pure fun. You know, and I've had um, I've seen this commented on a couple of different times in a couple of different places just that idea that, that you hit on that we live in an era where having to find bootleg copies of a movie just it, it's not something people can wrap their head around um, you know i i know a guy who who talks a lot about battle royale and sort of uses that as um, the linchpin of that but you know in the early late 90s you would have had to or early 2000s when it came out you, know, you would have had to have like gone online and like found a guy who had a dvd that may or may not have been super sketchy and paid like too much for it and now you just pop on to netflix yep. and you can watch battle royale right there and it's i i, I literally had a guy who i bought movies out of his trunk of his car yeah exactly and that is for for a generation of film fans i think that is more of the common story than the uncommon story and that's not even getting back we're, we're a little too young um to really dove into the early 80s the like the tape exchanges and things that people were doing around then as well so i'm, I'm curious do you think do you think there's a sense um, that Jackie Chan might be one of the great 
international stars, one of the last great international stars who then comes to America and has this entire body of work that audiences want to go out and discover. Uh, do you think that film has become so international that, that a talent like Jackie Chan can't quite hit us in the same way? Um, I, I, I kind of do think that because I think if you want to make the direct comparison to say, um, the handful of, of big action stars who've come out in the recent years, just, just to make like a direct correlation here, they, their, their movies, the ones you so say you like, you have like a, a Tony Jaw and Ong Bak or, uh, Eco Oasis, I'm probably mispronouncing that name in the raid. You have these movies that hit big and they hit big everywhere. You know, I mean, in, you know, both in their homelands and in, in their in, in the uh, in the Western world, it just is kind of like when it hits, it becomes kind of like a, a worldwide known. Uh, I don't call it sensation, but you know, it becomes an, an, a known presence, a known uh, property. Whereas back then, I mean, you, you didn't have it. Yeah, so when you did get a peek into somebody's uh, star power and somebody's talent, it wasn't something that you were already aware of through you know o- online you know news or trailers or that kind of stuff. There, you were kind of given like a a tease of that there was this whole other world um, that existed and has been existing you know, without you aware of it. You've been oh, you've been over here enjoying your you know your, your movies in this case, um, you know, totally content and totally thinking that this is you know this is everything. I, I've got access to everything. When in reality, there is a whole you know half world away is a whole whole other world <laughs> of movies being made. And now you don't have that because yeah, when a movie is made, a brand new one in Thailand, it's available here. At the very least, it's being talked about here, if it's a worthwhile one, obviously. Um, but it, it's most likely also going to be available here, whether it be through film festivals or through video releases or through VOD or through Netflix. And so you don't have that situation, I think, where you come across uh, a performer or even like a filmmaker where you go, you know, holy crap, this person's amazing. I need to go investigate, you know, their uh, you know past library of films that I've never heard of. I don't think you have that. Um, I mean, sometimes obviously people can come out of the dark and, and, and catch something and they've never been aware of something, but for the most part, the information is all there if you're already kind of in tune with it and looking for it. Yeah. So let's talk to um, a little bit about Martin Campbell, who's the director of this film. And this is a guy that has had maybe one of the most interesting uh, mainstream blockbuster studio careers of any filmmaker of the last 20 years. You know, this is somebody that has had the highest of highs, movies like Goldeneye and The Mask of Zorro, which certainly were movies that I saw in a theater when I was in high school. But then there are there's bombs. There are movies like Green Lantern, which basically tanked an entire uh, mode of superhero filmmaking for a studio and kind of reset the button. There's movies like Vertical Limit, which is a film that I love very much, even though I probably How can you don't. not like Vertical Limit? It's ridiculous and wonderful, and I stand by every part of it. Um, <laughs> or at least, let's say that nineteen-year-old me does. Um, what do you th- What do you think he has to prove, if he has anything to prove, or, or what do you think a name like Martin Campbell brings to a movie like this? Because on the one hand, you can say, "Well, there's Goldeneye, which was one of the worst and campiest Bond movies," but then you have Casino Royale, which is one of the most mature and interesting Bond films as well. So this is a director who has not necessarily shied away from evolving his own personal style over time um is he just is he a jag is he just a guy now or is is should you be like oh this is a martin campbell action movie i would think and i would hope that people would be the latter and be kind of excited about you know the idea of seeing a martin campbell um bringing action to the screen again he kind of got the kind of got boned after the whole green lantern thing i mean the fact that he's been this is his first feature film since that and that was 2011 so yeah so i do think that it, he is someone who that people should, should pay attention to and i kind of have hopes of that because i think one of his strengths even though he's made a lot of these big ones 
the big big action movies that have you know big set pieces, big spectacle. He has shown an eye, I think, for a lot of the smaller action action set pieces, whether it be like you know fight scenes or you know just again the, the more close up interactions. Um, uh, Casino Royale has has some great ones, you know, hand to hand combat, stuff like that. And so I think that with Chan as his lead, well, I don't know if he's even a lead actor, but as his his lead action actor in the movie. I'm excited to see what he can do with him, because even though Chan is older now and is, you know, again in a lot of his movies relying on CG and wires, I think that this movie's setup and plot, which is clearly a lot more grounded, um, is going to allow you know the opportunity for kind of Chan to show what he still has without having the need for you know backflips and all this kind of jazz, because that's not the character he's playing. He's just playing a regular dude who maybe has this background. You know what I mean? And so I, I think that Campbell is a good director because he can handle the bigger picture, you know, keep the story moving with the momentum. Um, he, he makes attractive movies. Legend of Zorro is, I mean, is, is not a great story because it's something that I've, I'm very, very familiar with, but it's still just a beautiful um, uh, feature. I mean, it, he, he, he makes attractive movies. And so I think even here, with it being kind of a darker story, um, kind of a dour, uh, you know, character, character turn, I'm still looking forward to what he can do with it, both in those small action beats, but also just in the grand scheme. Yeah, let's talk about some of those action beats, because this is sort of, for me, the central question of The Foreigner. And that is, are we doing a disservice to Jackie Chan by trying to make him fit into the mold of the middle-aged action star who comes out to do you know, one of these old man action movies? Part of the appeal of Jackie Chan as an actor is sort of his... Um, for lack of a better phrase, his rubber quality. You know, he's a guy that, that can is always in motion, always in movement. He, he cannot be knocked down. He is elastic. He bounces back from everything. That is what put him among his many other gifts as an actor and as a, as a physical comedian and as an action star, but what put him sort of in the heights of international cinema. So are we actually sort of weirdly trying to mash up too disparate and, and too types of film that don't go together by trying to make him one of these world weary, worn down action heroes. Is, is this, I know that the, the idea is there and certainly the impetus is there because of what we've done with all of these other action stars who were big at the same time as Jackie Chan. But, you know, whereas it might work for someone like Liam Neeson, who we do get a sense of slowing down because he was always sort of like not the, the most kinetic and high energy action star for Jackie Chan, a movie like The Foreigner seems sort of weird. We don't want him to be world-weary and run down. We want Jackie Chan to be the Jackie Chan Adventures Jackie Chan for all of time. Well, I think that there's room for both. I mean, I think that he's he's still, as his most recent other movies have shown, um, I mean, they haven't been American movies, but stuff like Kung Fu Yoga and, uh, you know, again, Skip Trace or Dragon Blade – um, he's still making those kind of movies where he is, uh, you know, hopping around and just doing all kinds of like, you know, just ridiculous things. But he, over the past like what decade or so, he also has been kind of toying around with these far, far more serious movies. And while he's no, um, you know, master thespian, I, I, I would put him kind of similar to a Schwarzenegger type situation where he's he's got a certain. Uh, um, he, he 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 can act well enough. And I think that in his, especially when it's in the quieter modes, like say like Schwarzenegger with that movie Maggie. I don't know if you saw that one. Um, I did not. Know. It was a few years ago. It's it's like a zombie thing, but it's it's the the main you know core of the story is him trying to take care of his daughter. And so it's a it's, there are little action beats in there, but it's in general is a drama and it's a very sedate drama and it's one that he's kind of tasked with these you know various turns that his characters really have never had to face before. 
you know, and whether or not he succeeded is up to the individual viewer, obviously, but it's that kind of thing where Chan, I think, is someone who in movies like Shinjuku Incident is a very serious, um, kind of a downer movie. He's like an immigrant who is like just facing all kinds of odds. There are action beats in there, but the main drama of it, the main main character drama, is just very serious, very real world. Um, you know, he's not cracking jokes, he's not smiling, he's not like you know looking at the camera. It's, I mean, it's 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 just very serious. And he's had a few of those. His last two police story movies, both you know, took that series away from the uh, you know more whimsical first strike and super cop, and turned it into these again, just you know, dark toned, uh, serious movies about you know really bad guys and then here's this cop trying to you know you know fight against them and there's less action because he's older and there's more drama and i think this one is following that same route where he's going to be a character that judging by the trailer i mean that's all i know about it so far that first trailer he's a character who's going to be very still you know very quiet and you know very firm in what he's saying but when it comes to it he will kind of like you know burst out in a little fight scene, <laughs> and I'm hoping we get a couple of those. And if the rest of the movie offers some good, you know, narrative turns, then I'll I'll be very very satisfied. And I think that that's an okay thing for him to do, knowing that again, you know, within like two or three months, he's going to pop out some other movie straight out of China that is, you know, again, big, filled with CG, you know, filled with big stunts um, and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, I think he can move between these, both of these things pretty easily. Yeah, and I certainly, I, I'm aware of the fact that he's made um, a lot of films. Like, you know, he, he didn't die after Rush Hour Two, um, and that he continues to make really good and interesting work in in China. I'm uh, obviously, I, I am not as good, and we've talked about this on the show before. I'm not as good at keeping up um, on Asian cinema and Chinese cinema in particular as I should be. So I will leave the heavy lifting on Jackie Chan's career to you. But I will say that that if nothing else, um, this movie promises the sort of creative use of environment that only Jackie Chan brings to an action movie. And, and I say that with a fair amount of, of comfort. I, you know, I know there are a lot of interesting action movies out there, and I know there are a lot of people that really do fun things with them, but even something as groundbreaking as The Raid didn't have a sense of like using every part of the buffalo, every part of the set, right. new and interesting and creative ways as the foreigner looks like it's going to do. And, and you mentioned that, that trailer. I mean, we see him already using like a kitchen table, a fridge door, like a bunch of cans and stuff he just finds lying around. And that I think is the exciting thing is the ingenuity and the creativity that he's going to bring to some of those action set pieces. That's a very Jackie Chan thing to me. Yeah. And I think that'll be a nice, again, I think that just knowing what I know about the plot, I think it could be as just a straightforward serious drama, about dealing with, you know, terrorists and dealing with the idea of, you know, terrorists turned politicians or relationships and how, how the different groups, you know, have, have to act and the concessions they have to make, um, that always don't, don't always allow for, uh, you know, just the regular folks to, to not become collateral damage and which is what, what I believe happens in, in this film. And so I think it could be that, but I think adding in, uh, kind of Chan's persona, both just from him being on screen, but also in those brief glimpses we saw of you know of him busting loose, uh, to me is just very very promising. And 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 for as many movies as this guy has is already made, as old as he is, um, he's his one of his more recent movies. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, it was a Chinese Zodiac, maybe, which is what that was 2012, so like five years ago. Huge, like hundreds of million dollars is made even the for, even this movie the foreigner has already made 70 million dollars overseas um which is twice its budget so i mean he he the fact that he's still just going strong 
and constantly working and constantly, you know, kicking out these movies. Um, I mean, I've got, I've got serious respect for that. And if I, if I end up loving, you know, one out of every five or six, then that is still to me, great, great odds. You don't think any part of that box office has to do with Pierce Brosnan's amazing beard. <laughs> Maybe we'll give that 12%. All right. Fair enough. Okay. So taking everything that we know about it and you said that you watched the trailer, I always like to ask everybody about that. So let's incorporate that too. Um, what are you, what are you, what do you think uh, you're going to get out of the foreigner? And if you want to throw a, a rating on there too, a one to five, you know how that works. Uh, throw that out at the very, very end. Um, I, I'm expecting for me, uh, it, it's, I mean, I'm thinking it's going to hit, you know, pretty much what I'm looking for, which again is, I mean, I, I'm a big Chan fan. I'm also a big fan of first prize. So I think right there, you've got these, the two leads are both already appealing to me. Um, adding in this story where they're kind of butting heads. Um, I'm expecting maybe a few, you know, a few twists here and there, whatever. And then knowing that there's going to be at least one, <laughs> you know, fun and thrilling action sequence, um, I, I I'm expecting good things, and I think that I'll come out of it being very satisfied. Um, I don't expect it's gonna you know you know blow me away. I mean, it, he is obviously super old, <laughs> um, and it is the kind of movie where I don't expect you know, you know a, a ton of surprises. So I think it's one that I'm gonna be end up being satisfied with. And so if I'm gonna put a score on it, my expectation is um, I'm gonna go with a 3.5 because I do think, like I said, that it's gonna hit exactly what I'm looking for. And and if that fight scene is as good as I'm hoping, and if there's maybe more than one, then you know I, I think it's going to be a movie that I walk out of saying it's, it's just a good time at the movies. Yeah, I, we've done this before. I think I'm going to follow you with a, a 3.5. I'm going to agree with you on the score, and let me give you my logic why. Um, maybe you can tell me if this makes sense. Uh, my wife and I watched the trailer for Jack Ryan, which is the new Amazon Prime miniseries based on the Tom Clancy characters, the Harrison Ford characters, Ben Affleck characters. Uh, you know, going all the way back. And one thing that I was struck by was the fact that just it sort of looked like everything else. It had taken all of the Homeland, all of the Zero Dark Thirty stuff, and taken this universe and sort of condensed it down to its, you know, the, the most basic and common factors that anybody would recognize from any politically charged action franchise or any movie. And I mentioned that only to say that The Foreigner seems to have a little bit of that. There's some interesting conversations uh, there's some interesting directions the film could go with people that used to be in organizations that may have used violence in a way that uh, raised questions about their ethical or moral standards certainly i hope that pierce brosnan um, might have a little bit to say about that since he seems to be playing a character that was pretty heavily involved in some of the terrorism that took place in ireland in the 80s i think there are some interesting directions that could go with that but i think that this is a movie that's going to probably end up feeling and looking a lot like every other movie that deals a bit with international come it'll look and feel like it came out of Luc Besson's you know action factory with a little bit of political conscience layered in and the only reason I'm willing to go so high on this as a 3.5 is by the fact that I think that this is going to be the Jackie Chan show whenever he is on screen he's going to shine the movie is going to be fun it's going to kick into a really high gear and whenever he's not on screen, we're going to sort of slog through the paces of a movie that probably should have remained at a lower budget, a lower level, and perhaps not been released in as many theaters as it has been in. So if you want to break it down even further, I'm going to say Jackie Chan. I give him a 5.0, and I give the rest of the movie a 2. That is my prediction going in. I can see that. I don't I don't see it being a lot of fun in the general sense, but I think it will be fun 
again, if, if he's, if he's allowed to cut loose and, you know, and, and again, just, you know, satisfies on the story front. Um, it's, it's a, the budget is, is like 35 million, which is not a block, like a big, big, you know, blockbuster, but I think that it's a solid amount to deliver an attractive movie, um, with worthwhile stunts and, uh, and it also looks good. So I'm thinking, like I said, that, I mean, unless the story is just ridiculous, um, and that's the other thing too, is I, I don't know about the, I would agree with everything you said except for the Luc Besson comparison, because I think this one seems a lot more grounded than anything we get in Luc Besson movies. His are, even the fun ones are just always, you know, ludicrous. And this one seems like pretty, pretty straightforward and serious with its, uh, you know, point A to point B to point C plot. Um, but I, 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 I'm always, I'll give you that. I'll always say walking a movie with Jackie Chan movie saying, yeah, I'm, I'm here for five out of five <laughs> Jackie Chan. The rest of it may drag it down, but I think starting, you know, there makes sense. And I agree. Well, we'll put a pin in that. Uh, we'll talk about whether or not Jackie Chan qualifies as one of those movie stars that don't exist after we see this film <laughs> and decide if it's a conversation worth talking about. <laughs> Well, hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, we are here to talk about the foreigner, and you are here to listen to us talk about the foreigner, which is yeah, you are great for both of us. Just a few tips about uh, the next section of the podcast. As a reminder, we are going to go into full spoiler territory, so please don't listen if you want to see the foreigner. If you want to un- be unspoilt watching the film, and is is just a general overview of the plot. Um, it's it's actually it is both a movie that is more simple and more complex than you would think based on the trailers. You have a bombing that takes place in London, and credit is claimed by a North Ireland terrorist group, an offshoot of the IRA. You also have a uh, the f- titular foreigner, who is Quan Min, played by Jackie Chan, whose daughter dies in the blast. And what follows is kind of a political thriller on the one half, about Pierce Brosnan's character trying to reassert his control over the IRA as a whole, and a revenge film on the other half, where you have Jackie Chan's Quan Min, uh, basically badgering his way through what's left of the IRA to try and find the people who actually killed his daughter. So let's start with the big, broad impressions, Rob. What did you uh, what did you think of the movie? I am very much a fan. I mean, it, it doesn't do anything surprising necessarily. It doesn't, you know, break the mold. It doesn't, you know, create anything new. It, it is very much um, pretty, you know, th- things we've seen before in various films. But I think it just does a really good job blending those two halves that you spoke of. Um, people were complaining, you know, about the movie being not a Jackie Chan movie because he's barely in it. I'd argue he's in at least half of it because I think he is, you know, one of the two leads. Um, and I think both halves work, and I think that they they work independently of each other, but they also are at their best when they kind of collide, when the, when these two characters kind of come together, either in uh, purpose or in uh, you know, in, actually in the same room. So I'm actually a big fan of it. I'm, I'm very happy with it, um, and I'm looking forward, hopefully, that the two of them you know, will, will collaborate again in the future on these mid-budgeted, uh, terrific little thrillers. So I, I'm going to side, I think, with people that aren't you in this regard, because I, that's okay. I did feel I did feel that there this is more a Pierce Brosnan movie than a Jackie Chan film, certainly more than it is let on in the trailers. It isn't to say that there aren't good Jackie Chan action sequences, but... It is surprisingly heavy on the Irish politics for what is sort of billed as your standard old man action film. 
Um, so let's split it in half then. We have the Pierce Brosnan storyline, and we have the Jackie Chan storyline. You can say whichever one is A. I think Brosnan is A. You would probably argue that you know maybe Chan is A, or they're both equal. Let's start with the Jackie Chan half. Uh, what worked about that for you? I think that there's there's I mean one I think Chan's simplicity. I mean the, the man is like we mentioned previously. He's not you know known as like a, any kind of great actor. Um, but he has over the past, you know, several years, he's, he's been, you know, dipping his toe and taking on more serious roles here and there. And that's the mode he's in here. Um, when he's not, you know, flipping around and, and, and doing some, uh, some ass kickery. Um, and I think he does a fine job with it. I mean, he, he again, he's not, you know, going to wow anybody necessarily, but I think that he, he captures the grief of the character. Um, kind of like the, the quiet determination of the character. I think he, he kind of nails all of that. And so, I mean, it's a very simple, his, his side of it, especially is a very simple thing. His daughter is murdered. He wants to find the people responsible. That's it. That's the entirety of it. And so his character literally, you know, let, lets go of his past life and moves forward on this. He's all in on this and um, just makes it his job to, uh, you know, get in the face of those who might be able to help him until he actually, you know, takes people off and gets, you know, get, gets down to the actual nitty gritty of who's actually responsible. Um, and I think that entire narrative works very well. And I think, again, it works separate from the Brazen one, but the Brazen one, once we get to talking about that, I think that adds some interesting wrinkles into it. Um, but just as, as a pure, you know, older character looking for revenge, uh, story, I, I think it, I think it works really well. And I think when the action hits, he's got at least, he's got two solid, uh, close quarters, uh, action scenes inside rooms. Um, and then there's various, you know, out, outdoors action as well. Um, I think all of it is solid. I mean, some of it, sure, you can tell it's a stunt double. Um, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, it's, the, the action is shot well. It's uh, edited well. It's captured well. I'm able to follow all of it. There's a great flow to it. Um, and it's satisfying, you know, highly satisfying, which is what you want from any kind of revenge thriller. Yeah, let's um, let's dive into that a little bit more too, because I, I thought it was interesting some of the the choices that they made for his character. First of all, being the fact that he he is not a killer, and he goes to great lengths to not be a killer. Um, what did you think of that decision? Would it, it, it sort of threw me for a loop a little bit, just because I think we've seen so many of these movies where this older, you know, retired assassin or whoever it may be, we'll just say the Liam Neeson character, because it's the easiest way to describe it where the Liam Neeson character is just mowing his way through the henchmen of whoever the big bad is. Um, and having somebody like Jackie Chan, who is very meticulous and careful and non-lethal in how he pursues the final group uh, or the, the initial group of terrorists, I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting and it was very in keeping with a Jackie Chan character for him to fight non-lethally. Um, I think that's true, but I think it also fits this particular character because as his later... Um, discussion with, with some of the, uh, especially the younger IRA guy later on in the movie, it's clear that he, his idea was, his hope was to have left all of this behind. He's not interested in killing. He's not interested in any of that. So at this point, he feels like, again, his entire world, because he lost this daughter at the beginning of the movie. And, you know, previously in his life, he's lost two other daughters. He lost his wife. Um, so this is it for his family. And so I think that he's, it's, you, you understand his motivation. But you also understand that he's not, you know, just becoming this, you know, loose cannon. He's not Liam Neeson running around just shooting everybody who gets in his way. He's very, you know, specific that, okay, his end goal, the names he's after of the actual bombers, there's actual specific people he's after and getting to them, he'll be an annoyance. And then from there, he'll step it up a bit, you know, and actually cause some injuries. But he's not interested in killing anybody except for those who actually took, you know, his daughter's life. 
And so I think that that's – it's an interesting – and I like it. I mean, it's an interesting thing, but it, it fits his character. Um, and again, I just think it works really well when, when you do end up dovetailing over to the other side of it. Um, uh, not to jump there too quick, but when you have, you know, Pierce Brosnan's character who is part of this whole plot, of this IRA plot, but he also is, you know, very sincerely was hoping to cause some damage without actually hurting anybody or having collateral damage. You know, citizens get hurt, people get hurt, civilians. And so they share a little bit of that, except that Pierce Brosnan obviously, you know, allowed things to happen, whereas Chan's character, um, Quan, is is very meticulous, is, is very sure that what he's doing isn't going to kill anybody until he gets to the folks that he's going to kill, period. And so it's very direct, and I think that it works really well for this character. Let's talk, too, about the the international component. It's really interesting to see a film that is essentially an Irish and Chinese co-production um, that leans so heavily into some of the cultural elements of, of both Jackie Chan as an action star, but actually Jackie Chan as a Chinese citizen and the entire army of middle-aged Irish actors that, again, we'll, we'll get to in a little <laughs> bit more detail in a minute. Um, what was it like watching the film from that perspective? I, I thought it was interesting how well the film leaned into some of the tensions, the cultural tensions that, that would naturally come up in this kind of situation. And I don't think it necessarily paints the Irish in the most forgiving light in terms of racial relations. And I kind of respected the movie for not shying away from that, that, that this is sort of like, you know, a group of good old boys and Jackie Chan is a disruptor that they're, that they're not particularly happy to see. Yeah. I, I think that they, yeah, they weren't, they weren't subtle about it, but I think that it also earns points for not being like uh, aggressively obnoxious about it with, you know, by having like just the generic, uh, you know, racist characters, you know, mouthing off or saying this or whatever. Um, no one ever really does that. You, you get a sense of people expecting, or kind of like you know, expecting very you know very little of him because of you know always just this Chinese guy or always just a little old guy, so you get a sense of that. But no one is you know tossing around any kind of like derogatory language or or attitudes like like you know outward facing. Um, I do think that the, uh, the interesting part of that again is um, again to, to, to when he's having that conversation later on in the movie, he's asking a character who fought with the British, who is you know currently an IRA member. You know, which is obviously based on like the, the religious divides. A lot of it. He's asking that person uh, like why they would fight with the British when you know they they were basically against the, their enemy of the IRA. Basically, they're Catholic. Why, yeah. they, why they would yeah, fight? Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, Catholic. And so um, he he says, and he, his point is that he's he's with this uh, you know with this unit. This is what he's fighting for, and fight, who he's fighting with. And so I think that in Chan's kind of like uh, Quan's reaction to that is interesting because he's acknowledging, and that's why the two of them, I think that. Him and the younger character, I think, have a kind of an unspoken bond. I wouldn't have, mind, wouldn't have minded a little bit more time spent between the two of them talking. Actually, I knew he was already, you know, getting a little bit long, but <laughs> um, I think there were some interesting conversations that they had there as the guy was tied up in the woods and Quan was kind of interrogating him to get the information. But then also, just you know, exploring his character of someone who is fighting for this cause, but has had previously fought um, as part of like a different group for and, and didn't see the divide at that point. If that makes sense, I mean, he wasn't seeing the you know the religious divide there. He was he was fighting with the unit against uh, a kind of a shared enemy, um, and so I think that it gets in a little bit of that. And so even though he's you know this Asian uh, immigrant, um, they talk about how he's you know he, he moved here you know decades ago, and he had formed a life and stuff like that. Um, but 
Sorry, that was a big noise. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it doesn't ever, like I said, just kind of blatantly draw those lines. It kind of like has characters kind of touching on those differences, acknowledging them. Sometimes, again, people draw you know conclusions from them, but it's never kind of an over-the-top, at least I never felt it was kind of an over-the-top, you know, blatant, like, oh, like, these are our differences. Look at this, look at that. Yeah, it, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, it's not made with a culturally incentive perspective, but it isn't afraid to let its characters be sort of racist assholes at times too, which is kind of right. the, the best balancing point is when a film treads in the water and it has one perspective on the characters, but it lets its characters be awful too. Uh, it's, it's a tough thing to articulate when you know, um, when you know that the movie has a different message than the characters. And sometimes that's water. I think that, that people gets a little murky and people get a little lost in but I'm tired of dancing around the Irish folks because this is, in my mind, what actually <laughs> elevates the film. Um, I'm going to admit that my only cinematic touch point when it comes to the IRA is, of course, Patriot Games. I think that is mm-hmm. probably most people's. I expected a lot more Clannad is what I'm trying to say. Um, and people getting shot. <laughs> um, so I want to I wanna give you a chance to talk about it. What did you think about the very the real depth that they go into about generational politics in the IRA and i want to point out too this is this movie is just shy of 2 hours this movie is 114 minutes and they use many of those minutes to talk about generational politics in the IRA i think to the movie's benefit what do you think? Yeah, so you're mentioning Patriot Games. That's actually in my review of the film. Um, that's one I mentioned as well. Uh, I mean, I feel like I knew, a f- no, I know a few more. Like the recent movie Seventy One, I think is a fantastic movie. You know, period piece involving the IRA and, and British uh, tension. Um, but I use it here both directly because there is the bit where uh, in Patriot Games, of course, you know, the IRA descends on. A compound to go after somebody, whereas here, uh, Quan descends on the IRA compound <laughs> to go after them. So I thought that was a nice little switch. But specifically to the IRA, I think that that the depth that you get out of that side of the film is unexpected, um, and I think handled really, really well. I, th- I think it's for me, it was maybe not surprising in some of the character outcomes. I mean, when you, there's a question among um, Pierce Brosnan's character, among his right-hand men, you know, who could possibly be involved, and it's you, you know instantly which character it is, um, even though that's played out a little bit longer, and then the reveal is kind of you know given to you. So there's no surprise there, but I think that the the power struggle on that side of the equation, I think, added an interesting element to what could have otherwise been a very very generic one-note you know revenge movie. Um, which I wouldn't have minded since it's Jackie Chan, but I'm happy to have this extra depth because it does does get into some interesting, um, you know, political angles that again these kind of films don't usually touch. Because you do have the British government, you've got a, a distraught father, and then you have this Irish element where a representative, um, you know, Pierce Brosnan's character, is trying to maintain power, but also do it without you know hurting people, which was the old way. Because it, as he says a couple times in the movie. You know, he, he's left that behind because he's, you know, you can accomplish things via politics. Um, and so it's an interesting turn that in that, in that, uh, again, in that half, in that half of things, you have division and you have those saying no, you know, both younger and older saying no, we need to go back to the old ways to put, you know, put the Brits up against the ropes to, uh, you know, cause damage to get their attention. Um, and so that kind of adds its own little subplots going on that I think are an interesting counterbalance to, uh, Chan's very, very simplistic. A to B, find the murderers and kill them plot. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that it's, um, I think it's interesting for one, just because not to get too political, but the, the fact that there's a movie about terrorists and they're white, essentially, yeah. is yep. and not Russian. Yeah, it's it's kind of a nice change of pace, um, honestly. But yep. what's more interesting to me is is how in touch this film is with the, the history of the IRA and how, um, I guess, the universal truths that come with violence. There are multiple times where Pierce Brosnan's character refers to the current generation of um, IRA soldiers and the group that commits the terrorist act is sort of an offshoot, a sect within the IRA. And there are, there are two two sides to this, essentially. There are the, the lifers, the people like Brosnan, who grew up in the 80s and 90s, came to age, came of age in that period, and have a history of violence, a history of bloodshed that rivals what we see in this movie from the small group of people that do it. And the film doesn't, doesn't try and absolve Brosnan of anything, or doesn't try and absolve uh, Brosnan's cohorts of anything, or, or pretend like the violence that they committed at that time is better or more special or different. What it does is it does show, essentially, it, it, it is a treatise about how a younger generation that has not had to live with the ramifications of violence doesn't appreciate the value of peace, which is a pretty deep message to be throwing into you know, a $35 million revenge Jackie Chan film. There is a lot of dialogue in the movie, uh, and, and Brosnan is really good, really good in this movie. This is, to, again, from my perspective, his movie through and through. There's a lot of really good dialogue that he has about that generational gap and, and what it meant to be a terrorist back in the 90s and what it means to watch people commit terrorist actions today. And he, how he does he, make the... He, he okay. does make that real quick distinction too. When he does say that the you know when somebody t- throws it back in his face, saying, "Well, you did this, you bombed," you know, blah blah. He says at that point, you know, there were no other options. We we had no other options. That, that was it. Period. We were, you know we were the ones against the wall. Whereas now, um, well, I, I'm gonna I'll push back on you a little bit. He says we didn't see any other options, which I think is a really important um, way of understanding the characters. Is they turned to violence, not necessarily because violence was the only avenue available to them although there's an argument in the film i think that it was but i think brosnan's character makes it very clear that they did not see any path out of this other than violence and i think that is sort of where this movie hinges like the pivot point for the next generation of ira soldiers is now they see there were other roads they could have taken and history is sort of repeating itself with this new group of characters who doesn't see any road out of this other than violence it doesn't mean there aren't options it just means that this is the only way they can see they can hold on to their sense of national identity. Um, and the film draws this line in the sand that sort of says um, that people who compromise are on one side of the line, people who don't compromise are on the other. But the movie itself, Martin Campbell's film, is considerably less uh, black and white in who it believes uh, is justified at the end of the movie. I don't know if I would agree with that exact conclusion. I think it's pretty clear um, because it leaves it leaves. Um, we already gave the spoiler warning, so it leaves Brosnan's character Hennessy um, sitting there basically on the hook. Now he's guilty. Um, it was a, it was a, a lot of it was a matter of you know instigation, but also guilt by association. I mean, his goal was never to actually hurt anybody, but his his association with these people and his you know actions with these people is enough that basically the movie doesn't need to like follow through revenge because he's ultimately if you follow the chain through of Jackie Chan's quest of, of Kwan's chest, uh, quest for revenge 
it really does end with Pierce Brosnan, with with Hennessy, the Hennessy character. He's the one that ordered this stuff in the first place. Now it got away from him, and the actual people take you know doing the bombings uh, went in a more violent and you know more you know collateral damage filled route. But he still was the one who initially started it all. So Quan's character in a traditional one of these movies, Quan's character would actually go directly you know all the way to the end and take this person down. You know again kill them. Usually this kind of movie would end with like a shot, you know, and then you see that you would see Quan walking away. This one here, though, I think that it because it, in kind of a nod to this new world and this new awareness of things, instead it leaves him with the confirmation that again you are done, uh, all your ambitions, political, you know, you know, your freedom and all that kind of stuff is done because it is now a known thing that you are an active terrorist, and that right there is enough of a punishment. So, yes. I mean, Chan went and got his initial revenge on the actual people whose fingers were all over the actual murder, but the person who, were, who ordered it, who again would normally be killed off as well, is instead left hanging um, to face the kind of the public wrath. I, I do agree with that, but I, I do – I would say that it is interesting to me that the the happy outcome for the British police force, the British special forces, is not – that the bombings have been stopped and the people are no longer going to be hurt in the city of London, but it's that this bloodshed led to a compromised Liam Hennessy and that now the London office owns Pierce Brosnan's character and can dictate policy through him because his public reputation has taken such a hit. So again, that, that's, that's kind of what I, I mean when I speak to the, um, the moral ambivalence of the film. I, again, to its credit, I think it has some really interesting things to say about terrorism and politics, but I don't, I don't think that... I don't think that the film is as ultimately black and white about the value of human life as some of the characters would have you believe throughout. And I think that the way the way power changes hands throughout over the course of the movie is, uh, to me, the most interesting element. Like you're going to see this because it has Jackie Chan's. You're going you're going to see it because there are fights in confined spaces where he uses his environment creatively, like we alluded to in the first part. But what has this movie on your mind a day or two days later? is this generational politics, power play, the use of violence for political leverage um, that happens from Pierce Brosnan and his associates. And we don't need to even get too much into them. But like again, this is a murderer's row of Irish actors as his middle-aged cohort. Uh, definitely worth, if you're a fan of any actor that you're like, oh, I, I, that guy's Irish? I kind of know who he is from Michael McElhatton to David Pierce on down. This is a very good movie for middle-aged Irish actors. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, I, 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 can, I can agree with, with that general assessment. I, I, th- I think that it, um, to, to the point of black and white as far as, you know, the, the value of the human life, I think that that is part of what, I guess, part of, part of what you're saying too, because the people coming at it from different uh, different directions, different angles, and different motivations. And so that even goes back to why Quan uh, doesn't kill anybody who wasn't directly responsible you know, for his daughter's death. Um, he does have a value for human life. Obviously, in his past life, um, back in Vietnam, it was a different story, but that's what he's left behind. So now his focus is on life, is on, you know, uh, literally, I mean, he runs a restaurant, so literally it's about nourishment and, you know, and, and, and satiating people, keeping them moving, keeping them alive. Um, and so, but when it comes to his daughter's death, the ones that kind of have crossed that line and that and to him are um, expendable, 
<laughs> are the ones that are just directly responsible. So I think that he draws a line um, and is different, obviously, from the ones on the IRA side, the actual bombers, the, the youth group there, the bombers doing the uh, taking out the collateral damage. To them, there isn't that distinction. They're not looking to hurt just the people responsible for what slights they feel have, have been you know, put against them. They're looking to cause damage, period. And so I think that, you know, those are differing views. And then you have Pierce Brosnan's character, who is Hennessy, who is kind of in the middle of that. He's willing to do some acts of, of violence, um, but he wants things targeted. But he's, you know, not necessarily as uh, strict about it as Quan. And in his own way, I think, with the, with the exception of Quan, I think he, his character might be the one that is trying to stop the bombings for the value of human life. Not 100%. He's certainly not a good character or a good human being, but... There is a political agenda for everyone else regarding the bombings. And I think the thing that they hit again and again with Brosnan and, and the men that are loyal to him is they just, they've had their fill of bloodshed and they're over it. Um, and it's the, the tragedy of the film, I think, is that it sort of insinuates that this is not a situation that can be untangled in a, in a generation, maybe not even in a couple of generations. This is something that will go on for a very, very long time. Which sort of leads me to the last question I want to ask you, because um, we've dissected both halves of the film, uh, and I do agree that the, uh, in my in my mind, I think that the the whole is, or maybe the sum of the parts are better than the whole, or there's whichever one it is that entirely, because I go back and forth on, on how much I like the parts and relative to the whole, but you hear every now and then about these films that sort of end up screenplays that end up in a studio's drawer somewhere. And somebody comes along and says, I'd like to do this. And they're like, well, okay, great. Also, we have this other thing. Why don't we take your thing and this thing and put them together and have third thing. Does this feel like a film that was always envisioned the way that it came to be? Or does it have the sense that maybe there were a couple of different ideas for films floating around and they sort of mashed it up and against all odds, it sort of works. Um, I mean, I, it's, it's kind of, kind of a half-ass answer here because I, I believe it, it works and, and it works intentionally, you know, intrinsically together. But I, since it was also based on a novel that has the same storyline, I mean, it's, it's, it would have started from that initial, um, uh, pairing of, of the, of these two worlds. But even beyond that, I, I think it, it's something that to me does feel natural. And I think that, to have these distinctions between these characters again, I mean, you have what could have again been just a straightforward, you know, father looking for revenge thing, and you could have filled out, you know, give it another, you know, 30, 40 minutes of just that, you know, everybody's happy, everybody goes home, end of the day. But the fact that it is a story that moves between these two worlds, um, you know, cultures, you know, to your point, the generational differences between the how they approach violence, um, the motivations for what people are doing, I think. Both of them benefit each other. I mean, I, w- I would happily watch either one of these as standalone movies as well, if I'm being honest. But I think that it's it's a really interesting um, path to kind of blend the two together, weave them in and out of each other, you know, and then bring them to like a cohesive, uh, you know, paired ending. I, I think so. I, it's again, it's from a source novel, so it, it did have this, you know, paired storyline from the beginning. But I, I think it works very, very well. Yeah, and you've got me curious, so I'm looking up um, right now the plot synopsis. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to probably delete this section out a little bit. Um, so hold on a sec. I want to touch on... Sure. All right, yeah, so you, you raised the fact that this is based on a book. Um, I think I'd like to... I think I'd actually like to... to, to I'm, I want to go through the synopsis of the book real quick because I think it's sort of an interesting exercise. Um, 
So let's do that. Uh, okay. This is this is according to Amazon.com, the synopsis of uh, The Foreigner. Emerson Chang is a mild-mannered bachelor on the cusp of 40, a financial analyst in a neatly pressed suit, a child of Taiwanese immigrants who doesn't speak a word of Chinese. Um, and, oh, nope, this isn't even remotely the same thing. Oh, is it different? Yeah, it's a completely different thing. Okay. Yep. All right. So that, that doesn't work. Um, I'm going to let it, I'm going to let you wrap up on that note then. Um, the the note that you ended on, we'll leave it there. Okay. Well, that the idea that this is based on a book certainly does give some precedence to the fact that it's not two separate screenplays mashed up together. There goes my pet theory. Fan theories, not even once. Don't do them, friends. <laughs> but, I heard um, he's playing the same character from Rush Hour. Yeah, that would, uh, yeah, this is a spiritual successor to Rush Hour. <laughs> very strange, very strange movie. Um, so let's let's uh, let's wrap up here where we need to wrap up. Um, you got to give it a score. You gave it a three point five going in. What do you say now? I'm actually going to stick by that. I, I think that it was it's, it's a highly satisfying movie. I never even if, even though I feel like maybe it could could it be shaved if it if it needed to time wise. There's nothing really that I feel needs to go. Um, I don't think there's any wasted time on either side of the uh, story divide. So I'm sticking with three point five. It was, it was to me it was very satisfying. Uh, never dull. Um, exciting action, great characters. I think Pierce Brosnan's character is the strongest of the film, and definitely the most engaging and interesting. Um, but Jackie Chan's half is just super exciting, and you know some great, great close quarters action, um, bomb making, you know, tool, tool using. Um, I think Clint, Cliff Martinez's score is fantastic as well. Just a really propulsive, you know, feel to a lot of it. It kind of gets you into these scenes, um, drives things forward really well. Um, so yeah, three point five, very, very good movie. Yeah, and I, I think I told you ahead of time, or when we were talking about it earlier, that uh, I was going to give it, I gave it a 3.5 because I thought it would be a 5.0 Jackie Chan and a 2.0 uh, <laughs> whatever else it was. And I have to say the math on that was actually wrong. I think that this is probably about a 3.5, um, yeah, I'll say about a 3.5 uh, political thriller and a 2.5, uh, I did the math on that right, yep, 2.5 Jackie Chan film. I was... Not as impressed with violence, although it is it is good. Um, and Jackie Chan is very likable. Not nothing nothing against him as an actor, nothing against him as a performer. I thought he was really engaging throughout. I just found his whole storyline to be sort of slight. There's not a lot in the movie that we haven't seen before. Um, and I think, just as you said, Rob, we can definitely definitely sort of sense how everything is going to play out for each individual character. About five minutes since they came onto the screen. But um, I did like, I think there's a, a real sense of, uh, for lack of a better phrase, poetry. I think there's some poetry to the Irish element. I think that it has some some real soul to it when it comes to dealing with generational violence. I keep saying that because it's true. And I think that the, the, it undershot my expectations at a 3.0, but I don't really hold a grudge against it for it. I don't feel like I lost out on too much um, so it was a very it was a very soft. I think the math on that would actually be like a three point three nine rounded down or some such nonsense, <laughs> or a three point five like rounded 3. up, three point two four rounded down. That's probably what I would call that. <laughs> well, okay, not bad. Well, Rob, uh, if people if people want to uh, to follow your writing, if they want to encourage you um, for liking this movie, or if they just want to see all the fighting you do with uh, Trump followers on Twitter, how can they get a hold of you? <laughs> do I do that? Yeah, quite um, a bit. Yeah, it's fun. The, uh, on Twitter, it's fake Rob Hunter. And as far as sites go, the main site where I do most of my writing and have the most fun is film school rejects. And I also do a handful of smaller things over at slash film and occasionally at crooked marquee. 
Excellent. As for me, you can follow me at Labsplice on Twitter. That's L-A-B-S-P-L-I-C-E. Be sure, please be sure, to follow this podcast at One Perfect Pod on Twitter and leave us a iTunes review. Leave us a Stitcher review. Follow us on any of the platforms or email our boss, Neil Miller, and let him know that we're doing a terrible job or a great job, however you feel. We just like to get emails. Emails are fun. Um, We'll be back next week with another exciting episode. We actually have Diana Drum of Female Film Critics. She's put a, a, a pin on my calendar about two months ago to make sure that she could talk about Gerard Butler and Geostorm. So that is definitely happening. And we're very, very excited to be doing that. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. So thank you for listening, and we'll hope to see you again soon. Thank you, Rob. 